Philippians chapter 3 this morning, please. Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is reflecting upon his salvation. He's remembering... Uh, his service to God, the, the Apostle Paul believed sincerely in God uh, before he was born again, and uh, he was serving God as best he knew how, according to his conscience, and he had remembered, uh, might we say, the path of righteousness that defined his life. But when he thought about salvation, he realized that his works uh, were nothing. He needed Christ. And uh, so he writes about those things, good things that he was remembering. Philippians 3, 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, and doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the re resurrection of the dead. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that loves souls and, and wants the message to get to the lost. I'm so thankful that someone told me one day, Father, I pray that our hearts would, as has been shared, ever be watching for those opportunities to share this blessed gospel. There's not another name under heaven, give it among men, whereby we must be saved. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege and responsibility to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And Lord, that through our missionaries, we can do that which we would not be able to do. Father, we thank you, we praise you. I pray for the filling of your spirit, preaching your word this morning. Please help me and guide me, I pray, to say what you want me to say in the manner you'd want me to say it. Fill my dear wife with your spirit. Lord, please, uh, relaying the message in sign. Father, I thank you for already being in your house for the word that's gone forth in the Sunday school hour to the children, to the adults. And Father, help us to 
as we sung earlier, make each faithful saying mine. Uh, Lord, to yield to your word and uh, draw us closer to you. I pray that you would revive our hearts uh, in our love for Christ, for all you have done for us through him. And I pray that you just speak to every heart. We're thankful for those here this morning. We're thankful for those that are with us online, Father. There are those there that have been faithful uh, to be with us in that regard ever since they've been unable to be here because of the COVID situation and because of illness, Father. We're thankful for that, knowing that they're here with us in regards to that, to this streaming. We thank you for this uh, ministry. Oh, God, uh, do your work today. Help us as we pray to uh, commit to give to missions what it is you'd have us each individually to do. And that would be between each one of us and you. And Father, you'll honor as we obey that which you lead us to. Father, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. <clears throat> Focusing on a phrase here that in the scripture, Paul uh, says in verse 9, he says he wants to be found in him, that's Jesus Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I've entitled the message this morning simply, Found in Him. Found in Him. We'll look, be looking at a couple other passages too, a different passage for each of the three points this morning. Uh, but I want to just consider uh, this thing of being found in Him and, uh, and kind of applying that to what we see in missions. We support missions so that when Christ returns, uh, He might find many uh, number one, standing firm in salvation. That you might find many, number one, standing firm in salvation. As I mentioned in that passage that we just read here in Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul is uh, both reminiscing uh, of the uh, day he got saved, obviously, when he uh, writes in the past tense there in verse 7 but the things which were gained to me those I counted lost for Christ he realized that all the righteous works that he'd done and he, by the way he was trying to do them according to the law uh, there's only one uh, uh, problem with that the law requires perfection for righteousness and when the apostle Paul finally realized the perfection of Jesus Christ he realized he had to lay aside his own efforts of thinking that somehow he could earn salvation and that it all meant nothing when God has laid down the perfect sacrifice and that we must trust in him by faith alone and then God counts us righteous and uh, that's what he's talking about there and uh, found in him God wants all people to be saved I believe the Bible teaches that Second. Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come uh, to repentance. 
God wants the world to be saved. And he has made a way for them. If they will but repent and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, God will not set, accept any amount of good works. Any amount of our efforts. Uh, for salvation. There's only one thing that God accepts for salvation. What is that? Uh, it is, the only thing he accepts for salvation. And the forgiveness for our sins. Is the precious blood. That Jesus Christ. His perfect son. Shed on the cross. When he died for the sins of the whole world. And was buried. And he rose again the third day. That is the only thing. Uh, that God that God will accept. We want to shine the light uh, on that gospel message. Uh, uh, we uh, live and preach the cross and the resurrection of Christ. It is the only way. And uh, we, we need to be careful we don't detract from that. We need to be careful we don't, we don't add to that. And uh, we want to be uh, uh, we want to be clear on this message of salvation. That's why I'm I'm glad I'm in a Bible believing church. I know that that message that, of salvation that we are putting out is, is is the only saving message. It's the only hope of the world. We sang this morning in Sunday school class. Shout salvation full and free. Amen. And that's what we're doing. We are uh, proclaiming the message of the Bible which shouts salvation full and free, okay? And we're not changing it. We're, we're sticking to it because it's God's message about His Son. It's what He has revealed and what He has done. We must trust Christ alone. No good works of our own. Uh, God only has one salvation for us. And it is offered only as a free gift through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. One salvation, one way to receive it. It's only offered as a gift. And we want to be very, uh, very clear on that. When the, when the Apostle Paul said his righteousness was of the law, a thought to meditate upon here for a moment. He was looking to obey the commands of God, which were written, of course, in the scriptures that he had. And by the way, he was doing well with that com compared to the people around him. Uh, that's where we run into a problem when we compare ourselves to the people around us. Amen. We have a perfect God we have to meet one day. And that's why our, our amount of law keeping will never be enough to stand before him. I read someone had written uh, the, the sun is 93 million miles away and it will burn the retina of your eyes. And we think we can walk casually into, its, into, the, into the creator of the sun? <laughs> no. It has to, we have to come what? Through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Through faith in his son. But when we, he said my righteousness is of the law. Some people, they'll pick certain commandments. Um, if I do this, I'll be saved. I'm familiar with some. They say we're to trust in God. And certainly we are. 
And they interpret that in, into the field of medicine. If you trust in medicine, then you're trusting in man, not God. Therefore, we will trust in God. That's part of their, their enduring unto the end. What are they doing? They've misinterpreted something, haven't they? And they have a righteousness that, that they are building according to what? Their interpretation of the law, of whatever some, some scripture has been written. And that, that always fails. By the way, the Bible also says, a merry heart doeth good like a what? Like a medicine, amen? Uh, there's a place for those things, okay? God told us that, all right? And uh, there are some who would pick out the Sabbath and say, if you don't keep the Sabbath, you're not righteous. Or maybe even you can't be saved. Well, first of all, the Bible is very clear that holy days are not for us to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to regard in the way the Jews did in the New Testament, uh, we're not to be judged according to a holy day. We meet at the day the church has, has, has decided to meet uh, in those gatherings. But you pick something out from the law. The problem is, if, if, a man, if any man offend the law at one point, he is what? Guilty of all. So that doesn't matter which one you pick. You can't be righteous in God's eyes that way for salvation. You must trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I am so glad that the Bible is so clear on this thing of imputed righteousness. What's imputed righteousness? It's God calling somebody godly who's not. That's what it is. What's, what, what's imputed righteousness? Imputed righteousness? It's God calling somebody righteous It's not. But he does that for a reason. Romans chapter 4 tells us about that. Uh, what say the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It was put to his account. By the way, who put it to his account? God did. Wasn't Abraham? God did. God saw Abraham's what? Faith. Which the Bible says clearly is not works. Faith is not works. God took what Abraham did believe, which is not works, and counted him what? Righteous. Counted him righteous. Now, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteous. Verse 4, Romans 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. What has Paul told us there? If you work for something, your employer owes you the money that you work for. If you're working for something, the person that, when you finish your work, the person uh, that you're working for owes you that. If you have to work for salvation in any way, then when you're, when you're all done and your life's over, God owes you salvation. You have told God salvation is not a gift. I will earn it by being this much faithful in my good deeds. I will earn it by keeping this little commandment I've picked out of the law. Even though I know in my heart I don't keep them all, all the time like the law clearly says we're supposed to do. You see? And we're trying to say that God owes us salvation if we're trusting on any works. On any works. Um... I like verse 5, Romans 4. But to him that worketh not. 
That's good. That's in the present tense. <laughs> Interesting thoughts there. In the, somebody has to give up saying, I, that's it. I, I've read the scripture. I know my heart. Uh, there's no way I can get to heaven by doing anything good that I do. Anything good that I think I might do. No matter how, faith, no matter how faithful I might think that I do it, I still haven't kept all the law and I'm guilty. <laughs> That's what the law says, and that's what our own conscience will tell us if we're honest. And so the person who yields to the truth of their conscience and of the law says this, I'm forgetting works. When it comes to salvation, I will not work for it. I will not be found working for it. Or believing in my head that in some way I'm earning salvation by the, by, by, by the way that I live or the works that I do. That is never true. And the person who gets saved gives that up in their head right there. That's what Paul did. All those things that he thought really counted for God when it came to salvation, he said, I had to throw them in the trash. I realized not only would it not save me, it was dung. If I would trust in them, it, it, what, what a waste that would be. I'd miss salvation. I don't want to miss that. Jesus died for me and rose again. He's perfect. I'm going to trust in that alone. He goes on in Romans 4, 6. David described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Did you get that? When you get saved, you get saved by a righteousness that doesn't count works. Your works. There are, there are works that it counts. Whose? Jesus. It takes into account what Jesus did. Those works are perfect. What a righteousness. Believe God. Trust, turn from your sins in your heart. Calling out for forgiveness. Uh, believing in Jesus Christ. And God counts you righteous. And then Paul went on to write. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will what? Not impute sin. God says, the moment you trust my son in that way, not only is my righteousness credited to your account for salvation, but sin will never again be put upon your account for salvation. God will never impute sin. Well, you sin, you lost your salvation. That'll never happen. Oh, don't get me wrong. God loves his children. He'll give you a whooping. Okay. When you're born again, God will do that. He'll ch he chastens every one of his children. My Bible says, He scourges every son whom he receiveth. But sin will never, will never uh, be a, a condemnation to hell for the believer. For the one who's been born again, regenerated. And, uh, and, and we, shout, we shout salvation full and free. Uh, found in him. And I think Paul wanted to remember that. Because he says, he says in, in, in verse 7, he says, he remembers that I, I, the things that were gained me, I kind of lost for Christ. And when he gets to verse 9 of, Roman, of Philippians 3, he says, he wants to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which by faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want to ever forget that. After years that I had served, and by the way, he had, by the time he's writing this, and by the fact he's in prison, 
Even when I'm in the midst of victories and sufferings for Christ and I see the mighty hand of God in my life, I don't want to forget I'm only saved because of what Jesus did. I don't ever want to forget that. When he comes, I don't even want to be found in my heart. You know, I got saved knowing it was Jesus alone. And when he comes, no matter how much he does through me, I want to remember it was Jesus alone. I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget that. It's by one man. That one perfect sacrifice. Uh, Romans 4.16 says this, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Did you get that? What God is saying there is this. In order for salvation to be guaranteed for someone, for someone to be able to say, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven. God had to make it a free gift. It had to be by grace. It had to exclude our works. Because our works are imperfect. God wanted a perfect salvation. God wanted a sure salvation. So he had his son die and do all the perfect works for us and rise again. And he says, now... I'll count you righteous if you'll just do this. Repent of your sins in your heart when my spirit convicts you and call, believe in my son and call upon him to save you and believe, believe that he died for your sins and rose again and that's the payment for your sins. You trust in him alone, God says, I'll count you righteous and your salvation is a done deal. And because you didn't, get anything to, you didn't do anything to deserve it, you can't do anything to lose it. No good works involved. Faith, yes. And thank God the moment, you the moment you believe, God gives it to you and promises not to take it away. <laughs> we probably could lose our salvation if we, doubted our if we doubted our faith later on. But God made it sure that the, moment, the very moment we believe, Ephesians 1.13, we are what? Sealed on the day of redemption. The moment God sees that genuine faith, that genuine repentance... What a blessing. It's through Christ and Christ alone. F.B. Meyer, the uh, English uh, preacher and uh, contemporary and friend of uh, D.L. Moody, uh, he wrote uh, uh, about two Germans who wanted to climb the Matterhorn. Uh, they hired three guides and began their ascent at the steepest and most slippery part the men uh, roped themselves together in this order. Guide, traveler, guide, traveler, guide. They'd gone a little way up the side when the last man lost his footing. He was held up temporarily by the other four because each had a toehold in the niches that they'd cut in the ice. But then the next man slipped and he pulled down the two above him. The only one to stand firm was the first guide who had driven a spike deep into the ice. And because he held his ground, all the men beneath him regained their footing. F.B. Meyer concluded his story by drawing the spiritual application. He says, I am like one of those men who slipped. 
but thank God I am bound to a living uh, to a living partnership with Jesus Christ and because he stands I will never perish <laughs> and that's it it's all on Christ you know we sang this morning Christ is all and in all in the Christian life and we stand firmly because of him your salvation could not be sure if it were not a free gift offered to you by faith it could not be sure and by the way it's necessary for the next point because we're going to talk about sanctification next point number two point number two by the way we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus the Bible says Uh, point number two uh, we see that We support missionaries uh, so that when Christ returns, he might find many spiritually fervent in sanctification. Wanting to draw closer to God. And and, and drawing closer to God. Yielding to his spirit. This is after salvation. This is what God wants every saint to do. Uh, 2 Peter 3.11 for this uh, passage here. Peter in his context is teaching about Christians growing after salvation. Second Peter 3.11 Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. He was talking about how God's even eventually going to melt down the worlds. He says, What manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Uh, he says, uh, We're looking uh, for the, the coming of the day of God. He says, uh, we, look, we look for his promise, a new heavens and new earth, verse 13 of 2 Peter 3. Verse 14, he says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him. There's our term again. In peace without spot and blameless. Now, Peter here in the context is speaking of sanctification or practical sanctification. That is, after we're saved, what? It is a yielding to the word of God. More and more. uh, And uh, drawing closer to the Lord. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Did we get it? It's free. It's by grace. It's not of works. That's the only way it can be sure to the seed. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And if you are not sure on your salvation, you can't go any further. You can't go on to sanctification. The foundation stands sure. And everyone that knows that, what? That are his. That everyone that name the name of Christ, what? Depart from iniquity. You see, if you're sure what God did, if you're sure he made your salvation dependent upon Jesus Christ and not yourself that's when the Holy Spirit will will produce that love in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ that is unstoppable (laughs) that love that compels us what to follow the Lord and without knowing that God has offered salvation freely through Jesus Christ you will be Putting yourself in a dysfunctional relationship with God. 
You've heard we've all heard about you know dysfunctional families. Uh, you know, well, I was raised, I was born in a dysfunctional family. If I if I would ask that question, how many were born in a dysfunctional family? We should all raise our hands because we're all sinners, amen. That means we had parents who were sinners, and we we're all dysfunctional in some way, okay? But listen, God God is God God is not the parent of a, God is not a dysfunctional parent. When he saves, he saves his children by faith alone. And by the way, he loves them forever. And he'll never stop loving them. And his love won't change for them. He'll be grieved when they disobey, just like you and I are, when our children do, perhaps. He'll rejoice when they obey, but he'll love them the same. And by the way, you can't change his heart on that. Why? Because he based it on what Jesus did, not what you did, not what I did. That foundation's sure. Now we can go on there, what? In the love of God. Yielding ourselves to his commandments in love. Uh, as Brother Dennis teaches this morning in his lesson, this, is, this point is about getting up to speed, okay? It's about getting in line with sanctification and, and growing in Christ as, as believers. Peter was talking about that, writing about that. It's obvious in the passage, if you look back at 2 Peter 1.5, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. You get that? Add to your faith. And then he talks about virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, charity, these things. Adding to our faith, a sanctification, uh, <clears throat> And uh, add, adding these things. And he says, uh, he says, give diligence, Second uh, Peter 1, uh, 10, to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you'll never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So these are things that if we follow the Lord in them, we will be strong Christians. We won't fall into the traps of Satan. We won't become someone that falls by the wayside and, and, uh, and, and becomes a, a dishonor to Christ and he may have to remove us from the world early uh, or we'll be those in 1 Corinthians 3 that stand and see all our works burned up because we, we departed from God. He never forsakes his children. Uh, his for children do sometimes forsake him. And, and Peter doesn't want us to be like that. He says, so an abundant entry shall be ministered unto you. That means, P Peter says, I want you to live a life that when you, when you get to heaven, that you have lots of rewards. An abundant entrance, not just an entrance, but an abundant, an abundant entrance. He's talking about growing there in, the, in, in those things. We all have room to do that. So you're calling an election there is the things that God has called you to and chosen you to after you got saved. They're the things that God, God has some things for all of his children. All of his children are to be reading the Bible and praying and going to church. All of his children are to be using the spiritual gifts that God has given him, given them. Uh, in service, all of his children. 
It also has the idea uh, you know, of, of those individual callings. Some are called to be a missionary. Some are called to be a pastor. Some are, are called to minister and do helps in the church. And, and uh, there are many kinds of gifts and ministries. We, Brother Dennis was going through a whole lot of them this morning. And that we're all doing what God's, called, what, what, you know, what God's called us to do. As we're faithful in these things, we can be re more rewarded much for these things. And uh, that's what Peter is writing about there. And uh, uh, that's what that, 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 that calling election is referring to there. Um, but we, we're being compelled uh, uh, to sanctification. We, by the way, we all have room to grow closer to God, don't we? Uh, Philippians 3.12, the apostle Paul writes, not as though I has already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after. <laughs> I think if Paul says, I have some more sanctification... Uh, to see happen in my life, we all can probably say that too, amen? <laughs> I want to be closer. I want to be, have, have, have the Spirit to have more of His way in my life, in my heart. And we all can say that. And what is it that will drive us to that? It'll be the love of Christ within us. All of you who teach the Word of God, and probably there's, we know those that teach in here and there are others that have taught in other, in other situations as well. You know, it's a very humbling thing to teach the Word of God. It's an amazing thing. It's a fearful thing. Because this is a living Word. The lives of, of, of souls hang in the balance of how this Word is preached and taught. The edification of God's people, the, one he, the ones that He loves, His family... Their growth is attained through the faithful preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Amen. It is a reverential thing. It is a very humbling thing. But I have to tell you that when I come up to preach the Word of God, it's very humbling. But I don't think there's anything that humbles me more when I begin to preach on the love of Christ. Because I always feel like... There's no, how can it be put in words? And I always cry out to God because as I see the love of Christ, it's so, it, it's so unfathomable to me. And I want you to know it's the love of Christ that will compel us to the sanctification that God has for us. And I'm talking about the love that, that knowing the love that He has for us, He put he puts his Holy Spirit in us, and what? We love him back. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. As we meditate upon that first love that he had for us, that what? That spirit, that love abroad, that love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We love him. And that compels us to sanctification. You see, the believer, you see, if you miss the free gift, you won't get that. Because you'll, you'll, be, you'll be spending the rest of your life trying to keep that one commandment you picked out. And you'll miss God's love for you. You'll miss it. You'll miss the very motivation that can compel you on, to, and the only motivation, I believe, that can compel you on to greater sanctification. The Bible says, if it doesn't come up charity, what? It profiteth me nothing. You'll miss it. If you don't get a hold of that sure salvation, God is free. It was Jesus' love. It was his, his blood. Wow. I can look back to that and find strength.
and, and, and the Spirit compels me to love him back. Uh, the believer becomes more holy, not from an outward law commanding it of us, but from an inward love compelling us to it. Did you get that? There's a difference. There's a difference there. All you Christians believe you've got to do this, you've got to do that. We don't got to do nothing. We want to do it. Our hearts are compelled to do it. What did Paul write? 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ constraineth us. How did Paul go through all of those things? Well, he read that you're, you're supposed to be, you know, be holy, for I am holy. Let me, let me, let me, let me just give you a list of all the laws in the, uh, in, in, in the Word of God, Paul. Uh, Paul might have written, let me give you a list of all the laws in the Word of God that I have obeyed uh, to enable to help me to be such a zealous missionary. That's not where he went. You know what he said? The love of Christ constraineth us. Isn't that what he said? See, salvation is about a relationship, isn't it? Salvation is actually a person. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> And our loving Him, learning of His love for us, compels us to love Him. Love. That key thing. That's, what, that's why Paul went on to say, he says, I want to be found in Him. And he says, uh, not have my own righteousness. And he says in verse 10 of Philippians 3, that I may know Him. Know what he's talking about? I'm, I'm not going to be counting scores of how many, how many commandments I'm keeping. I want to know Jesus. And when, and when my heart's desire is to want to know and love Jesus more and more every day, my life will be transformed by God's Spirit according to His Word. You see, He'll convict me of my sins. He'll convict me of, of the inward sins that nobody else sees. He'll convict me of the outward sins that sometimes we're maybe not even aware of those either. He does all that, doesn't He? If we're seeking Him and seeking His Word. Uh, it's amazing to me. Second uh, Timothy 4.8 Henceforth there is laid up for me, Paul writes, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that what? Love is appearing. That love is appearing. See, because if you and I are going to be sanctified in Christ the way he wants us to be, it's got to be driven by a love for him. Which he puts in our hearts. That's the only thing that will get us there. That's the only thing that will get us there. And thank God we can look to his love for him. And to his, for his, or his, his love for us. And, and, and the word that teaches us about that. The spirit that, that bears witness to that within us. And we can be strengthened by that love. And our love for Him is increased by that very Spirit within us. And we are driven from within to sanctification. The psalmist said in Psalm, wrote in Psalm 40 verse 8, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. Did you hear that? I love it. I like to do Your will. <clears throat> Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his what? 
Delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. I got some rules I got to keep. Let me look them up here and see if I can find which one. No, I love God. God, show me what show me what I can do. Help me to follow your word. He delights in the law of the Lord. Uh, the love of God shed abroad in hearts. Think about this: How, uh, the preeminence of love in the Scriptures. Jesus said, "Jesus, a new commandment I give unto you: what that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another." Why did he say a new commandment? It's already given in the Old Testament a couple, you know, a couple times. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. That's in the Old Testament. You know why it's new? Because Jesus took the commandment that he gave, even in the Old Testament, and he put on a body. And the disciples watched someone in the flesh live out the love of God. And it was all new to him. <laughs> wow. That's what love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means. Wow. That's what love your neighbor as yourself means. Wow. That's what love your enemies means. They saw it in the flesh. And because of his what? Love for them. They were compelled. Constrained. Afresh and anew. To want to follow in that path. And want to love others. Song of Solomon. Chapter 2 verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. And his banner over me was love. Was love. By this shall all men know you, my disciples, if you have love one to another. <laughs> Sanctification, remember? And this is love that we walk after his commandments. Did you get that? <laughs> well, I like the love of God, but I'm not, I'm not really uh, 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 concerned about you know, keeping all these commandments. Listen, if you, think, if you think you can love without the commandments of God, you, you're misunderstanding at least one, maybe multiple things. If you think you're, you, can, you, can, you can love without, without walking in the commandments of God, either you're not understanding what the commandments of God mean, or you're not understanding what the love of God is, or both. <laughs> one or the other. See, love isn't just some squishy feeling that you and I feel inside. You know? Love is what God defines it as. He is love. He defines love. He is love. And we love in that. And, and, his, and love and, his, and walking in his commandments go hand in hand. The only way we can love is to walk in his commandments. And when we want to love, we will yield ourselves to that and do that more and more. Sanctification hinges on love, which hinges on the sure salvation of the fact that it's a gift. And it's free. You see that? They're built upon that. That love grows out of that, of, of, of what Christ did. I think about Revelation 2.4, when Jesus would address the churches. What was the first rebuke he gave? Thou hast left what? Thy first love. You're missing it, Ephesus. 
you're probably going to wound up doing all the other stuff that's coming <laughs> that you're going to hear about when I write about those churches. But I'm warning you right now because you, you've missed it. You've fallen away from your first love. By the way, anybody remember when you got saved? And maybe you got saved at a later age. If, if you did got saved at a later age, you probably remember more, more clearly maybe than when you, if you were real young. But what, do you, what, 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 what is it that you, when, you, when you first get saved... The Holy Spirit what, puts a love. You love God. There's a love of God for God. There's a thankfulness to God in your heart. There's a love there. It's that first love. Oh, you know, when, I, when I heard salvation was a free gift, you know, I was trying as best in my understanding. I, I wanted, I, I, God was already convicted me of my sin. I was already sorry for my sin and trying to turn from it, but I couldn't practically do it. And so I kept giving up. Then through my dear loving wife, and some others, I finally heard that the gospel was a gift. And this old sinner had some hope. Oh, you mean God will save me if I call upon him? I can do that. Because that's all I was looking for. Help, what do you want me to do, God? Some people came to Jesus. What might we do might work the works of God. Jesus said, this is the work of God. That ye believe on him who me as sent. Just trust me. Put your faith in, in me. I'll count you as righteous. That's what I did. That's how I got saved. By the way, if you're born again in here, that's what you did too. Uh, you may explain it a different way, but you got saved without trusting in one single, uh, uh, any bit of the works that you're doing. If you were, you, you didn't get saved. That's it. It's the only way. Uh, I think about Peter, who was the leader of many of the, of, of the, of the apostles. Think about that tragic fall that he had as he denied our Lord three times. And he had walked away. He had taken some other disciples with him. They, we might call, call them the defeated disciples out there on that fishing trip. John chapter 21 has become one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. The disciples needed to get back on track. They were way off track in their sanctification. How did Jesus get him back on track? If you love me, if you love me, lovest thou me, lovest thou me, lovest thou me. Isn't that what he used? You see how he got him back on track? All they had to do was look at him at that fire that he built on the, on the, on the cold shores of Galilee there. He gave him fish when they were out there in disobedience fishing. They weren't lying for rebuke for what they were doing. They forsook the work of God. But Jesus knew their problem was greater than that. The root was deeper than that. Because the only way they were able to get out there was their love had cooled. Their love had strayed. And now what's he say? Simon Peter. Lovest thou me more than these? I think he was talking about the nets. Lovest thou me more than these? You know, Peter, you know I love you. You know I love you. But you know, as he was looking the Lord in the face, and those other disciples, know what they were remembering? His love for them. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. They were remembering. John saw him on the cross close up. Peter was probably out in the crowd a little bit further, like he was at the, at the trial. 
But they saw him suffering. They saw the marks afterwards. And while they're looking at him face to face, they're remembering this Savior's love for me. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? I want you to remember who I am. I want you to remember what I've done, how I've loved you. I still love you. And as you focus upon me, your love will be renewed. You will find the strength, by the way he did, to get back up and go out there and Peter boldly preached until he was crucified upside down at his own request. Tradition tells us because he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord. It was love. It was love. We love him because he first loved us. Finally, and I'm going to wrap it down here quick. That love is not going to stay with us in ourselves. Love needs to be poured out upon someone and will not uh, uh, be satisfied uh, otherwise. In Matthew 24, uh, Jesus speaks a parable we see that we want to be found in him also steadfastly faithful in evangelism, which is what we're, our focus is this week in, 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 in our missions and such. Jesus says, Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them their meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Briefly, what is the Lord saying here? Jesus is Lord over his house. Uh, the Christians, believers in the faith. Uh, he has a, a Lord that has, he's given a parable of a, of a, of a, of a, of a man who has a household and he, he has servants. And apparently this ruler, he has, given, he has given instructions to those that are laboring in his house. Uh, uh, he, he says, uh, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. This Lord of, the, of a household has given instructions to all his servants on how he wants them to labor in his house, okay? That's what's happening in the, in the story Jesus is telling. And then, uh, apparently, that Lord goes away. And you read in verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So he's already given the servants commands, and now he's gone. What does he expect them to be doing when he returns? Just what he told them to do when he left. That's what he's expecting. And we, you know where I'm going. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You know, we've often said, you know, someone's last words are are to be honored, you know, uh, and uh, are, are, are important, are, are, are special. Uh, the last time that they would see Jesus in the body on the earth right before he ascended, what did he say, Acts 1.8? Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Did you get it? That was the last thing the Lord of his household said before he left. And he's coming back. And he expects us to be doing what he said when he left. Uh, He goes on to say, so he leaves, 
And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Did you get that? The angels come around and the disciples are there. He's just gone up in glory. Give him clear command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they're, they're standing like, you know, and uh, I picture. And the angels are like, you know, I, I picture me just smacking. What are you waiting for? What are you standing around for? You know what he told you to do. He's coming back. Get doing it. Amen. Get busy. It's a big world out there, okay? And uh, what, he was, what they were saying is, get busy. Your Lord's coming back, and you know what he told you to do. And I'm thankful that we can be witnesses here with those that we work, our friends, family, neighbors, and we can be witnesses around the world through our, through our missionaries. And, uh, and, uh, and God wants, by the way, when, when it comes to God's household, he wants a big one. My Bible says in Hebrews 2.10, for it became him. That means it was just like Jesus Christ. It was just like God to pour out his love and make salvation possible the way that he did. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, that would be Jesus Christ, in bringing many sons, how many? In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Sufferings. Your love ever starts to flicker? Ever starts to fade? Ever starts to get cold? Just look back to Jesus' sufferings, amen. Just remember, we've not yet resisted unto sin, resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Amen. Jesus gave it all for us. He gave it all for us. Get that love rekindled in the Word of God by the Spirit of God in love for the Savior. We'll be right back on track for sanctification. And we'll be among those that are supporting missionaries and being the missionary God wants us to be in the place where God wants us to be. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you especially for your love to us in Christ. He is our life. When he shall appear, then we'll, shall we also appear with him in glory. He came to give life unto the world. This is eternal life, that, we, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, our Lord, is life. Father, help us to love your Son more and more. Father, burn his love into our hearts. Help us then to love you back, to love Christ. And in loving so, we love those things that he loves. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. God so loved the world. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be have a part in missions and I thank you for our missionaries. We lift them up for you, before you. You have cared for them wondrously through these difficult times, especially this year. We thank you and we praise you for that. Help us also to continue to do our part in the midst of trials. 
Father, you are the one that is reigning in our lives, Father. You are uh, the one who is in control of this world. And Father, you are the one to whom we look for all of our needs. And if it's not so, it needs to be in our, each of our lives. You will provide, you will guide if we will walk in the paths that you have for us, compelled by your love for us, Lord, to love you back in that manner. And I pray to help us all in that, to draw closer to you day by day as we, and that we might be found among those in the process that would, be, that would love your appearing. And Father, uh, it'll only happen by your spirit uh, as, we, as we endeavor to love you and know you like the Apostle Paul and so many others who were transformed by what you, by what you did from within them. Uh, and you transformed them by the sword of the Spirit, by your blessed word for the glory of your Son. Help it, and make it, help it to happen in us, God. Help us to yield to you. We pray in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.